You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I am Helena Harris in Aiken, South Carolina. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for Monday, December 4th, episode 3315. Good morning, Horse World. Christmas times are coming, Christmas times are coming, Christmas times are coming, and I know I'm going home. Snowflakes are falling, my old homes are calling, tall pines are humming, cause Christmas times are coming. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us in this December. Can't believe it's December already. <laughs> The year's almost done. It's just started. And Helena's filling in today. Jamie had a family situation she had to deal with, so uh, she'll be back later in the week. Helena, thank you so much for filling in on such last minute. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's always a pleasure. And uh, Helena's going to – well, I'm going to quiz her today because uh, she has a new place that she's living for the winter, and we're going to talk about that. And we have Rachel joining us from Blue Ribbon Beauty. She's going to tell us what makes her makeup perfect for riders. There was this whole discussion in the auditor room about makeup in the last couple of weeks, and I said, well, we need to get somebody on to talk about what makes good makeup for riders. Uh, Do you wear makeup at all? I do, when I go out. Okay, all right. Well, good, because I don't, and you're going to be needed in this discussion. So, (laughs) glad you're here. (laughs) I'll step in where I can. (laughs) And also, we're going to talk about some horse Christmas traditions from around the world. And then uh, Helena and I will do a post-show, and we're going to talk about tractors versus ATVs, because I went tractor. She went the other way. She's on the other side. And we're going to talk about (laughs) why, because it was a big debate when we got our property, which we were going to do. So, we'll talk about that the post show for the auditors. And for new listeners, Helene and I started the first show on the network back in 2008. We did the Stable Scoop show. We were the first two hosts. We were the beginning of the Horse Radio Network way, way, way back when. So, and you know, I talk, and actually, we did a show before that in the Talking t- Equine Show 2006. So we're almost 20 years in this. <laughs> it's like crazy. Oh, please. It's I, crazy. I know. And we, we did that with John Nunn at Bit of Britain. And John called me the other day out of the blue and we chatted for a while. So I, I that's what made me think of the Talking Equine show was, was oh. that long. It seems, seems like yesterday in many ways. And it seems like a lifetime ago in many ways, too. Well, today we're going to be talking some random horsey holiday traditions. And let's start in Boston. And the reason I did is because that's where Helene and I met. Yes, Uh, sir. Beverly, right above Boston. Uh, I don't know if it's considered part of Boston, but it's practically Boston. Uh, And you and Jennifer were working together at Myopia Hunt Club. Yep. Managing the horse operation there. Do they still have horses there? They do. Okay. Yes, they do. Yep. Because it was mainly golf. I mean, and food. It's mainly golf well, and eating. It's, yeah. it's, it's an historic golf course, yeah. for sure. But it was a hunt club first. And, um, yep, fox hunting, they, it's a drag hunt, is still going strong. 
And I know that was one of Jennifer's most favorite and least favorite times <laughs> at the same time. I think you all kind of felt that way a little bit. You got to hunt a lot, which was the favorite part of it. We sure did. We got to hunt and ride a lot. Yes. I got. I have memories of watching the Thanksgiving hunt and following with a thousand cars along the roadways to watch you guys hunt through the fields. It's a big thing up there, the Thanksgiving hunt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a big thing. Yeah, there was always an ambulance ready and waiting because it was a big thing. <laughs> and that wasn't because of uh, people falling off naturally. It was from the alcohol and then falling off. That's usually what the order or, of events or, were. Oh, I would like to fox hunt someday. Let's start with the Thanksgiving hunt, hunt. because it's, you know, that's the one everybody wants to go to. On a horse um, I've never ridden. And oh, by the way, I haven't ridden in 30 years. So <laughs> jumping And when jumps. I did, I played polo or yeah. I was Volta. <laughs> well, let's start in Boston. In 1916, when horses were the only means of transportation around Boston, Horse Christmas was initiated by the Massachusetts Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. It was founded by George Ansel. Isn't there Ansel? Thing? There's things named Ansel up there. Um, a lot of the horses at the time suffered from malnutrition, and they were worn out because they were working horses in the cities and that kind of thing. So uh, Ansel launched this thing. He wanted to do something around Christmas to help the horses. So they put up a Christmas tree in the post office square, and they decorated it with carrots, apples, sugar cubes, and corn for the horses to enjoy as they passed. And he encouraged all the drivers and uh, the workmen out there to stop by and give their horses a snack on the way by as a little Christmas treat. And uh, apparently it went on for a long time because they only stopped doing it in the 1950s, and it spread to neighboring towns and cities around Boston would make these horse Christmas trees. Isn't that interesting? That's very interesting. I'm going to have to make a horse Christmas tree now. There you go. I think that's a per. Why don't more of us do that? If anybody in the audience does a horsey thing Christmas tree where there's carrots and apples and things, let us know, especially in the barn. You need one to do one in your barn. I think I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Where am I going to put it, though? Because carrots are made for hanging, really, when you think about it. So. They are. Yeah. And they're, so, they're like icicles. They're like horsey right. icicles. Mm-hmm. This is a good mm-hmm. idea. All right. If anybody does this, please send us a picture. We want to see a picture of your horsey Christmas tree. All right. Let's do some daily winnings. We have a couple auditor birthdays today. Ann Mabardi, Aaron Makowitz, and Scott Kreidler. Happy birthday to all of you. And also a big congratulations to Auditor Nan, who posted a picture of her new pony Tango, a four-year-old Welsh cob, which apparently is for her young child. But she said her young child's not getting it for a couple of years because she's going to play with it first. So isn't that the way it usually happens? That's your turn. Okay. My daily winning. I thought about this because, you know, that's that's special for me to think about something ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> My daily winning goes out to the people of South Carolina for being so nice. One of the things that Buck and I encountered when we first moved down here was just all the people that we had to deal with from the electricians with the electric company, the folks installing our fiber optic cable, uh, the septic people, the well people, anybody that we talked to dealt with who either came to our farm or who we were talking to off property. 
are so nice. They they just they strike up a conversation. They're so pleasant. They just seem to be genuinely happy, content people. And it makes all the things that would be stressful for us other, otherwise um, so much less stressful. Well, and so I want to say for those that you know, don't there, know, Helena, her her summer house. Oh, wow, let's make you sound rich. Your summer house <laughs> is in Rhode Island in New England, and um, there's quite a difference between New England, the nicety I, level. Yeah, yes. I mean, I, I just wasn't prepared for the 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 depth and breadth and breadth of the niceness. They they say there's Southern hospitality. Um, I there's just this is like. This is in the fiber of their being. So I want my Winnie goes out to the people of South Carolina for being so nice. So when you were looking, so you were looking to get a place where you could go take the horses in the winter because you were sick of winter in Rhode Island or along the coast. Um, so why'd you pick Aiken? What was it about Aiken? Um, gosh. Well, okay. I'll, t- I'll tell you that the, the biggest thing is, um, well, there's it's two parts. First was um, you... And it might have been Jamie did an interview with Sinead Halpin years ago. And the question was, it was like one of those ask an expert uh, segments. And the question was, you know, how do you get access to really good trainers? What, what, you know, where do you go? How does that happen? If you really want to progress in your riding, you need to ride with the best people. And she said this, you have to go where the horses are. The good trainers are where the horses are. And I thought, okay, <laughs> that means I need to move. <laughs> I need to either go to Florida or South Carolina. And um, because I was really, I was hunting a lot at the time. This was way back when Jen and I were working at Myopia. Um, I looked on the map. What's warmer than New York or New England? Almost Where everything. are the horses? <laughs> right? Where, exactly. Where are the horses? And how many hunts are as close to that area as possible? And um Trying to to decide between Ocala and Aiken, um, Ocala to me felt more like a place where if you're a serious competitor or an upper level professional, that would be where you want to go. Um, and that Aiken, wasn't true before the World Equestrian Center. Yeah, it's it's yeah. definitely it's changed. It, it, it's yeah, um, Aiken is more residential. There are plenty of upper level opportunities. There are plenty of quality high level professionals. I mean, Boyd's winter operation is here, um, but it felt a little more residential. Um, and that kind of, that's what we were looking for. This isn't just a place where we come for the winter. This is a place where we want to settle. Who knows? We may end up staying here full time once retirement comes around, but that was um, really, that was kind of the, the reason behind it. And uh, prices cheaper than Ocala, I assume. Well, Ocala's just out of this world right now because of the World Equestrian Center. You know, everybody's buying up the little farms and spending a fortune for them. But, well, it's starting to happen here too. You know, downtown Aiken is um, is getting more congested as everything since COVID. Right, the yeah. smaller towns have become more popular, so even that's even happening to Aiken. So, uh, development is spreading outwards from the downtown area. In fact, our town is just over the Aiken city line. We're in a little hamlet called Windsor, um, and you know, so the properties are a little less expensive than downtown area or the horse district, but they're few and far between, which is the same. You know, with real estate, no matter where you are in the U.S., um, 
so people are holding on to their their properties. They're not selling them. So inventory is low, which makes pricing high. You know, demand is high. However, it's definitely more accessible in Eakin than it is in Ocala. The World Equestrian Center changed a lot. Everything, yeah, definitely did. So, what? Tell us about your farm. What you get? What you end up getting? Ooh, squee! <laughs> So we looked at um, some of the developments, you know, the equestrian developments, and um, I liked one of them very, very much, but they had a square footage requirement for the houses. So if you wanted to buy a yeah, piece of land and build that too at our property, yeah, and, and I get very easily overwhelmed. So I said, now, um, so we, the farm that we found was totally by accident. Um, Buck was like, listen, if you're going to take, your horse or horses down to a- Aiken for the winter. You're going to leave me here behind. Like I want to come down and, you know, spend time with you. Are you going to go down for a month? Are you going to go down for three months? Um, what She's is like, this God place? Hell, I'm going down the whole winter. What are you doing? <laughs> well, well, that's what I'm thinking. Like it's not worth it to ship my horses no. down for a month. Um, so he said, he's like, well, I haven't even been to Aiken. So before you, you know, ship your horses down and go train down there for the winter, let, let's just, let me take a look. Because I was going to plan to live on top of somebody's barn, right? Or in a camper. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'll do anything at this point. Um, so when we came down, we were really just here to scope out training barns and possible places to rent. So while we were looking for places to rent, um, the real estate agent, who does both, she does sales and rentals, was like, listen, why don't you take a look at this property we have out in Windsor? It's actually, it would be cheaper for you to buy this than it would be for you to put your horse on training board and rent a place for the winter. And I was like, you lying. That's that's a lie. So we came out to this farm and um, within 20 minutes, Buck was like, let's buy it. <laughs> <laughs> the price was right. I mean, it's really, it was really, really, really affordable. That's partly because the it's a tiny home the house is only 600 square feet um but it's on 11 acres so that was perfect for us did it have a barn Um, already it has something of a barn it has two structures on it and in fact the recent episode that i did of stolen stable describes exactly what structures are on here yes it has a place for horses to be um it the entire property is perimeter perimeter fenced which was perfect uh six acres are cross-fenced perfect um it's got really nice live oaks for shade it's it's not doesn't have a lot of trees on it but the trees that are here are fantastic for shade um it's up on a little bit of a hill and we get a beautiful breeze so and we are surrounded we're at the we have our own sort of private road we're surrounded by six other horse farms Jennifer, I haven't seen it yet. Jennifer's been up, and she she loves the area. Um, and you're a little bit further out of town, like where our new property is. It's at you know, it's twenty minutes to town, right? So, yep, it's yep. it's further out of town. How are you two doing? You you're not killing each. Well, you're both still alive. There haven't been any calls to the police from living in uh, six hundred square feet together. No, and that was Buck's biggest concern. Like, he thought he was going to get cabin fever, or what's it going to be like just living in this tiny space? I mean, it's tiny, people. It's a tiny house. It is tiny, Um, but the... It's got a front porch and a back porch, and then there's this other structure on the property. It's an old construction trailer that has a porch built around it. 
and the previous owner did that. So this is serving as my office and recording studio. So that's where you are now is in the second building? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So we get to- Sounds so good, by the way. Are, oh, it's awesome. <laughs> it's better than what I had it up in Little Compton. Uh, so, it, but we spend so much time outdoors because of the weather. Mm. And because of just, it's a farm that we really are only inside to, we don't even eat dinner. We eat dinner on the porch, but we'll eat dinner inside and we sleep. And then Buck works on the front porch of the cottage and I'm working in the, in Which my is office. what he does, by the way, Buck, Buck has a job where he can work at home. And when we were up visiting you this year in, at, in, in Rhode Island, uh, he was working on the porch. It seems to be his thing is working on the porch. Which is really cool he, that you can he can work. This on the is horse. a man who, <laughs> if he could live outside twenty four seven, he would. Well, how are the horse is yeah. liking it. Uh, that's my final oh, question. Oh my gosh! Well, we've only been here for two weeks, and I have the the, the change in my horses is phenomenal. Um, they love it. They're happy. They're content. Um, they love, you know, two of the farms right next to us. One of them has a bunch of polo horses, so there's who live outside twenty four seven. So my horses are like, yay, our herd is huge. And then our other neighbor, she does training. So when she gets a new horse in for training, that horse's paddock is fairly close to mine. I mean, there's a there's a nice buffer in between the, the two fence lines. But uh, so there's always somebody new for them to welcome. And then on the other side of us is a farm that has mules. And then right next to them is a farm that has... Um, their competitive driving farm. They, oh, cool. they drive halflingers. Oh, cool. So we get to see them, and they're, uh, they do combined driving. So we get to see them. Oh, you see them go fast. <laughs> oh, oh. To see, uh, uh, yesterday when I was riding Brody, these, you see this, this carriage with these two halflingers cantering up the hill out of the woods. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> In heaven. So the horses are very happy to have other horses around. They're happy to have Yeah, because your place in Rhode Island, I mean, you're set back. There's no, you don't see anything from your house. There's nothing. It's excluded, which is nice. But for the horses, they don't see another being of any kind except you two. There are no horses there. Yeah, You know, here, if the donkey across the way calls out, Susie will say, hi, I'm here. I got you. (laughs) I got you, girl. We found um, that with ours, too, though, when yeah. we have been boarding uh, now, they just like to be around, especially Scooter. He likes to be able to see other horses and hear them and all of that. You know, he's he definitely likes that. And I said to I had to call Jennifer, as you know, the other day to say I, I was stunned at what it's like to ride on the footing here. It's like riding on pillows. <laughs> sand is a the wonderful footing. thing. And but but the sand footing especially out in the pasture when the horses decide to have a gallop, the confidence in both of the mares in particular is noticeable. They feel so secure having a a gallop or, um, you know, firing those fast twitch muscles when they need to on a chilly day. They feel good about it. They're not going to slip. They're not going to fall. It's not hard on their joints. Um, I can't say good enough, enough good things about the footing. Well, I'm so glad you're happy. When, you, when we talked to you the other day, I we got off the phone and I said to Jennifer, I said, I've never heard of this happy. And I've known I've you for 20 years. <laughs> Just... I, I turned to my husband and I said, this is a Helena you've not met before. It was a Helena I hadn't heard before. Yeah. For sure. And of yeah. course, they can hear all about all of this stuff on your show, right? So give a plug quick. 
Yes, yes, yes. Especially the most recent episode. It is the Stall and Stable show. You can find it at stallandstable.com or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. And I think episode 130 is the one that we just did that discusses what it was like getting from Rhode Island to Aiken, South Carolina, pulling a two-horse bumper pull full of hay <laughs> and three cats. <laughs> oh, God. The cats. That was <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, I'm going to go off script for the commercial today for our title sponsor, Worm Flooring, because the other day we were out at the barn and, and we've been using our trailer a lot more now that we're taking the horses up for weekends to the farm. And we had mostly used it as a camper for us before that. And Jennifer said, you know, I really haven't looked under the mats yet because we have an aluminum floor. And we looked under the mats and, of course, they're dirty and, you know, there's stuff under the mats and we should have cleaned them a long time ago and nobody ever does uh, because it's just a, not a fun job. <laughs> getting the mats out, putting the mats back, getting them back in to fit is always fun. And they never seem to go back in the same way. It's just a mess. And then you have to clean underneath and you're supposed to do that like all the time and nobody ever does. So when Jamie got her worm flooring in her trailer, I said to Jennifer, I said to Jennifer the other day, I said, look, we've been doing the ads for the worm flooring. So she's calling this morning to the local. We do have a local one here in Ocala. She's calling to get a quote to get our trailer done because I just don't want to do it anymore. I'm too old. I'm too yeah. old to pull up mats and hose out underneath and wait till it dries and then put the mats back and you never do it. And then the puller rots out. And just, I'm just done. <laughs> so so we're going to definitely get the worm flooring done in our trailer. Uh, you know, you should take a look at it. It's a great Christmas present. So maybe give hints to your husband about giving you worm flooring for your trailer so you don't have to deal with mats either. Uh, the, it's a kind of this rubberized flooring system. It's permanent. You never have to pull up mats again. It's non-porous and slip resistant. It's cushioned. You, you, crap doesn't get underneath. It just will protect your trailer. And I, I think that uh, it, it's affordable too. So take a look at it. Go to Worm Flooring Systems or Worm Flooring, W-E-R-M, uh, W-E-R-M flooring.com to find a dealer near you. So uh, we're definitely going to be getting that done over the winter here. I got another story for you. This is out of the Belgium and the Netherlands, and then we'll get to our guest. Uh, it's St. Nicholas comes into play in this one. Uh, they call him Sinterklaas. Sinterklaas. And he wears a long red cape over traditional white bishop's garb, and the festivities usually begin around mid-November when Sinterklaas arrives by steamboat I know, that's kind of weird. Supposedly from Spain into one of the seaside towns there in Belgium or the Netherlands. And they apparently that rotates. And then he gets, he gets off the steamboat and he rides a white horse through town, uh, through the streets, to the sounds of uh, crowds singing traditional songs and cheering and all of that. It's apparently broadcast live on national television. It's kind of like our Macy's Day Parade. Uh, hmm. And uh, children on St. Nicholas Eve, Christmas Eve, traditionally uh, fill their shoes with carrots and hay to leave them by the fireplace for uh, Santa Claus's horse, along with a bowl of water. And they've been, if they're well behaved, the following morning they'll wake up and find the horsey treats replaced with street, uh, sweets and pastries. Oh. So in the Netherlands, the last horse they used was named. Uh, Amerigo, and he passed away in 2019, has been replaced by, these are Netherlands names. It means oh so fast. That's what it means. <laughs> Ozosne. Ozosne. Uh, mm. From a passage in a well-known Sinterklaas song. That's where they got that. And in Belgium, Sinterklaas's horse is named, try that one, Helena. Slecht Vierwandag. Close enough, which means bad okay. weather today. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> versus muy virvandag. Which means nice weather today. <laughs> muy, muy. So apparently this is a tradition that they still do, and it's a big thing over there, and I've never heard of it before. So that's really cool. So that you're learning all about traditions today. So what language is that? Because now I want to go and learn well, this must language. Be Dutch, or, right? What do they speak in Belgium? I thought they spoke French in Belgium. I don't know or which you know, part of this is. And it's Belgium and the Netherlands, they do it in both places. Oh, okay. So the Netherlands, yeah, they'll speak yeah. Dutch. Okay, yeah. now I got to go. I got to go learn Dutch. I, <laughs> I, we, we had some Dutch clients years and years ago, and I learned a little bit of Dutch at the time. We lived in Pennsylvania, so you learned a tiny bit of Pennsylvania Dutch, which apparently is nowhere near <laughs> what right yeah. Dutch is. Yeah. Hey, why don't you tell us about Kosequin while I get our guest on the phone? Cosequin ASU joint and hoof pellets contain quality ingredients to support joint and hoof health and leave out the fillers, molasses, and alfalfa, all while delivering the taste courses love. The colors of their ingredients shine through for a difference you can see. Visit CosequinEquine.com to learn more. Well, coming up, our guest today is Rachel, and she is with Blue Ribbon Beauty. And the reason we have Rachel on is our auditors were talking in the last couple of weeks in the auditor room about makeup. And I'd never seen a conversation about makeup in our auditor room before. And this whole thread went on and on about what makeup to wear, what works during horse shows, and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, and we, I said to, I said to Ashley, go ahead and get somebody on to talk about it. And that's where Rachel comes in. Hi, Rachel. Hi there, Glenn. So nice to talk to you. Now, you have a company called Blue Ribbon Beauty. And by the way, where are you located anyway? We are located in southwest Michigan, just like 20 minutes from the Indiana border. Do you know we have more listeners in Michigan than any other place in the country? Oh, wow. That's amazing. Well, it is a really big horse community. We're right near the Bering County Youth Fair, which is the biggest um, youth fair in, I think, America. So yeah. it's kind of like a lot of horse stuff in our area. Well, and I also figure you're so cold, they have nothing else to do but listen to podcasts in the winter. <laughs> that makes sense, yes. The winter is unbearable. <laughs> so, Rachel, how did you come up with the idea of uh, making your own makeup line? Yeah, so I showed horses growing up and just my trainer would always make me wear it and I hated it. And I kind of realized after a while, especially as I started getting into some bigger circuits that it was pretty necessary. Everyone else was wearing that and it seemed to kind of make the difference of looking um, just that clean look, that overall look and the confidence that it gives you to just kind of finish the picture. And I started thinking, what if we had something made for us that was sweat resistant and had designs on the back to show us like what we could wear tutorials for different, um, different disciplines. I thought if I made it a little more accessible, maybe it would be easier for people like me who just kind of were tomboys and didn't really want to do it. So that's kind of where the idea came from. Just kind of, it was born in the show ring, I guess you might say. And you were Western, I assume, writing. Western and English. I did a lot of like versatility stuff, but leaned a little more Western. I ended up getting into the, like the American Ranch Horse Association stuff with my horse. Were you having a problem? I love this, by the way, that somebody finds a need for something. We we love supporting, since we started this company, we love supporting small businesses that are doing uh, cool, different things. Did you have any experience with this at all? Or was it just like, oh, I'll figure it out? Pretty much just, I'll figure it out. <laughs> I'm My grandma is an artist. And so I've done, I've been kind of in the art scene for a little while. And that's sort of what I did as a day job. So I was able to just kind of 
key into the graphic design stuff and do all the artwork. And that's what really got me excited about it. It wasn't as much the makeup at first. I was more just excited about making the packaging. So I did that <laughs> and then everything else came in after. That's funny. I love that. Uh, so what makes yours different than the rest of them on the market today? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, well, it's definitely sweat resistant. We've had customers call us and tell us that, um, like, I had a girl that said a horse died at the show that she was at, and she said everyone was just bawling. It was raining. She said she slept in the makeup, and then she woke up the next day and touched it up a little bit, and she was ready to go. So we wanted to make it as, like, to stick to you as much as possible. So I think we really achieved that with the eyeshadows. Um, and yeah, it's just, it, it's not, it's not to such a professional level that it's hard to use. If you're a beginner, there's some products on the market. If you go to some of the more professional brands that they're just hard to use. If you're not a professional, they're too hard to blend. They're too pigmented. So we didn't want that, but we also wanted them to be pigmented. If you were, you know, if you knew what you were doing with makeup. So it's kind of that right in between to where it's easy to use and it's blendable and it also sticks to you. <laughs> well, I've been using makeup for over 30 years and I'm still a beginner. So this is Yes, which is kind of strange since I, I have a makeup brand, but I definitely am not a pro by any means. But that's what makes this perfect for horse people is that it it's simple. Um it's really simple. And the first thing I looked for was that it's cruelty-free, which I really appreciate. So thank you very much for going in that direction with this. Yes, for sure. Um, so I'm looking at your website. You've got eyeshadow palettes, blushes, lipsticks, um, some bundles. So mm -hmm. I'm looking at the blushes right now because, you know, some days you, you, you show up and you're like – I look like death warmed over. So, you know, how do I pick something that's that's good for me? So, I the um, the graphics and the colors on the website are great. They give a good sense of a general skin tone, mm -hmm. um, and you also do like the the views, the images um, with that come with the product show what it looks like on a real person. So mm -hmm. I really appreciate that. Now I would take this and I would do it in my own bathroom and I would be like, Oh, okay. I'm going to look like her <laughs> when I'm done. <laughs> um, so how do you, um, how do you decide like what colors you're going to use and how does the, the consumer pick a color that works for them? Yeah. So every time we launch a product, kind of like with the eyeshadows and with the blushes and the lipsticks, I wanted to have just a wide range of, you know, I didn't want just all warm colors or all cool colors. I wear more warm. So I didn't want to just do something that I would wear. So when I launched the lipsticks, I did a certain amount of cool and a certain amount of warm tones. And then with the eyeshadow palettes, most of the tones in the, the palettes are, broken up by warm and cool so the in the irons palette is cool and then the latigone lace is all warm shades and then the blushes we just same thing there's three so it's not even but we did two warm shades and a cool shade um and as far as people finding what they need really the best way to do that would be to figure out what your skin tone is are you warm or are you cool if you're cool then you're going to look pretty bad if you try to wear the warm shades um, and one way to do that, they always say, you know, there's, there's a lot of things out there about like finding your season and stuff like that. But, um, they'll say like to look at the veins on your arms and if they're like blue, then you're cool. And if they're, I think like green or purplish, then 
you're warm. Um, I don't, I find that kind of hard to do, <laughs> but you can kind of just tell, you can even just put things up to your face and see what looks better, like warm shades or cool shades. Um, and so then, yeah, I list on the website, everything is what kind of color family it's in. So then if you know what your shade is, then you can just go, oh, okay, hey girl is a warm shade. So that's going to look good on you. Mm. And the colors too, like now I'm looking at the lipsticks, the colors, nothing is like over the top or out there. They're just, they're very natural looking colors, even though you can choose a bold color, um, mm-hmm. there's nothing that's like weird. So that's to me, you know, you pick something and it just looks so not natural that mm-hmm. for somebody who's not used to wearing makeup or who doesn't wear it a lot, uh, I, I don't want to, I don't want to cross that line so far. I just kind of want to ease into a polished look that accentuates my features when I go into the showroom or when I'm going out to dinner with my husband. Um, so that's something I appreciate. How often do you develop new colors or, you know, what's, I know you've got warm and cold, but tell me about the, the, the I guess, the, the science behind choosing these colors. Yeah. So I try to launch a new kind of line or something every year. We've been a little behind this year, but um, yeah, just kind of trying to, to do stuff that people are requesting. We've had a lot of requests for dressage, actually. That's one that has kind of been interesting and like a dressage palette. And also the barrel. Isn't that just black like- and white? <laughs> yeah that's definitely i kind of think what i normally tell them is the and the irons more goes with it you know that's kind of when i first launched the first two products which were the palettes i was really trying to get as many disciplines kind of taken under the wing as possible all at once so i wanted to just kind of like merge as many western and as many english as i could and then from there, I thought, well, you know, I can always launch some other things. So we've got a rodeo palette in the works, and that one has a few more kind of like interesting colors, fun colors. We've had a lot of requests that people are like, we want fun colors. We want bright colors, not just the neutrals. So that's something that we're, we're kind of thinking about. And then definitely, like you said, we have a lot of natural love colors, but I know people want the bright, crazy stuff. So at some point, we might throw some of that stuff out there, too. I love the names of your products, too. In the Irons, Latigo and Lace, um, the BRB Bundle, I like that, too. Mojave Bear, Heart Horse, really clever on the names. Oh, well, thank you. I have a lot of fun with that. I'm really into puns, so. (laughs) The other thing I like, too, is one of the rules we have on this show, because I'm America's Horse Husband, is you never get your wife uh, cosmetics of any kind, because you're going to screw that up. So um, you do eat gift cards. They're prominent on the website. So there's a good option for the horse husband. For sure. Definitely. Especially as the Christmas season comes up. And, I, you know, you've probably had husbands buy, and sometimes it's gone well, but I'm just horse husbands, don't do it. Just get the gift card. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because the very first year that we were in business, we went and did the AQHA Youth World Show as a trade show. And I kept noticing, like, no men buy. Like, they would walk by, and none of them would ever buy. And then I didn't have any purchases on the website either that were male names. And it always bugged me. I was like, I want a guy to buy this at some point. Like somebody's got to just step out and do it. And this Christmas season, like every other order has been a man. Really? It's been kind of crazy. It's, I mean, some of them, it's a little like, okay, maybe that, you know, Michael can go both ways. There are a couple names, but I'm like, I'm pretty sure 
we've had quite a few guys buying. So I'm like, okay, people are, and I see on Facebook, our ads, it'll be girls that will tag their husbands or their, their boyfriends. And they're like, hint, hint. So maybe that's starting to kind of take into effect. It is dangerous territory for us. It's like buying clothing for your wife too, or Oh, it's true. Yeah. For sure. It's very dangerous. Like I'm a girl and I cannot buy my, my mom clothes. She never likes what I buy. So I'm like, okay, just, I don't do that. (laughs) Well, then you can go get the gift card. I love this. I love the fact that you were somebody who just saw a need and went out and did it and, and are doing pretty well with it. Uh, There are some packages in there. So if you do want to get a gift for somebody else that you know, actually what they use, uh, you can do that. That's pretty cool too. It is blueribbonbeauty.com is the name of the website, blueribbonbeauty.com. And when will you be shipping until for Christmas? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, We're like, Four days before Christmas would be like the tightest you'd want to go because that's about the the furthest from Michigan. That's how long, four to five days is how long it'll take. Unless you want to get expedited shipping and then you could spend a little more and get it there quicker. So maybe we'll just say safely four days. Sounds good. Well, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. You have a good holiday. Yeah, thank you so much. You too. All right. Bye-bye, Rachel. Take care. Bye-bye. So auditors that requested it, there you go. We are here Mm. to please. I do. You and I have always had a soft spot since 15 years ago when we started this for small companies that are like one person who started a company and then, you know, do pretty well with it over the years. We love that. Yeah. We are the small business champions. Yeah. And we've, you know, we've seen some of those companies that we started, you know, way back talking about. We've seen some of those companies that are doing very well today. So, you know, Kentucky Performance Products, when they started with us all those years ago, wasn't a big company. They were pretty, now they're a big company. Now they're a huge company. But, you know, good for her. I'm glad for her. Well done. Well done. All right. So I have some Christmas questions for you, and then I'll I'll get into some more uh, holiday horsey traditions from around the world. Okay. So why, uh, no, no, let me me get to my Christmas questions here for you. Uh, What is your favorite holiday food? Oh, my favorite holiday food. I should know some of these, I don't think I do. My favorite holiday food, oh, stuffed artichokes. Really? Yeah. Stuffed with what? Italian stuffing, like a breadcrumb, garlic, seasoned stuffing. Oh, I don't need artichokes, so I didn't know what you stuff artichokes with. So, wow, that's a first. You're the only one I've ever heard ever say that. (laughs) So, I'll have to make you my stuffed artichokes sometimes. You won't forget it. (laughs) All right. Uh, Best holiday movie? Oh, okay. We for my okay. We just watched like my new favorite holiday movie last night. But my favorite is White Christmas. All right. And what's your new favorite? The new favorite we watched that last night. It's called The Feast of Seven Fishes. Yeah, I don't I haven't heard. Yeah, of it's a movie around the Italian tradition of having the feast of seven fishes on Christmas Eve. Is it a it's ho- so is it cute. a comedy? No, it's funny, but it's um, it's like a rom com. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it, but it's good. It's it's family friendly. Um, it takes place in the eighties in like Pittsburgh, Philadelphia kind of area, but well acted, super fun, and a really good feel good Christmas movie. 
we had a dilemma this year. Everybody knows, because I've talked about it endlessly on this show, that our favorite one that we watch every year is Muppet Christmas Carol, and we always watch it on Christmas Eve. <clears throat> well, this year on Christmas Eve, we're going to be on a cruise, and I said to Jennifer, we need to download that sucker. We're not going to be able to watch it. <laughs> we have to plan ahead for our watching. We did watch Elf again. over the, We always watch Elf. Uh, and you know what? It's still funny every year. So yeah, uh, we watched that over the weekend. That was our weekend watching. Um, also, uh, what's your favorite holiday song? Mm, my favorite holiday song is... Um, What's the name of Tempe's song? Oh, um, uh, E Holidays. Happy, Happy E Holidays. Holidays. Yeah, which, favorite which, all time. Is it really? I didn't know yep. that. I would have played it Happy today. <laughs> well, I didn't. I didn't realize that. And uh, finally, real tree or fake tree? Well, I've always been a real tree person. Well, you um, had a house for it in New England. There, that was a house for a real tree. Yeah, and uh, th- so this year, what in we're your doing tiny house? <laughs> in our tiny house. Well, we were gonna we have a real wreath or a fake wreath. <laughs> real, I I like to do real as much as I can because I love the smell of pine, and it's a consumable, so it can go in the compost pile or it can go in the burn pile. Um, because our house is so tiny, we don't have any storage, so keeping a fake tree is just not an option. <laughs> keeping anything that's not consumable is not an option. But we're going to see if we can buy. An evergreen with a root ball and actually plant it on the property and decorate it every year. Huh. That's a good so idea, we'll actually. Outdoor tree. But we're we're looking at doing the same thing for the property. We're hopefully going to be up there for a week before Christmas. And that was Jennifer's idea. We'll just get a real tree and then plant it when we're done. Yeah. Uh, and have it for while we're up there. Good idea. We went to yesterday. We went to the – and I'm not – I don't usually like this, but it was kind of fun. Uh, we went to the Acala Symphony Orchestra. Yes, we have one. And yes, they're really good. Uh, which, you know, you have to, they learn a lot of music is the one thing I thought of by the end of the night. But it was their holiday show. And it was really good. It was really good. It wasn't TSO, but it was really good. Um, <laughs> and I'm not usually much for orchestras because I fall asleep. But I didn't fall asleep during this one. Now, we were the youngest people in the audience because we live in Ocala. Um, and I... There were people sleep, I think, around because that you always see that is so funny when you go to concerts yeah. here. But it was pretty good, I gotta say. They did a good job with it. Um, and I and uh, also Rhonda, our legacy listener, was chatting with her this morning up in Canada and they went to see TSO and loved it, of course. So that's usually our holiday thing, but we didn't feel like driving that far this year. All right, a couple more things from around the world that involve horses. Um, and uh, we'll get to that right after I tell you about. Purina Animal Nutrition, the three research-backed ration balancers to fill nutritional gaps in your horse's diet. Enrich Plus delivers a concentrated source of protein, vitamins, and minerals without unnecessary calories. Enrich Plus Senior features active-age prebiotic technology and Outlast supplement for aging easy keepers. Omega Match is rich in omega-3 fatty acids and vitamin E, great for horses without access to green grass. Find a ration balancer for your horse at Purina arenamills.com slash ration balancers or visit your local feed store today. So now we're going to go to Russia in Mardivinia, <laughs> Russia. Horses have always been apparently well-respected there and they're treated as members of the family and apparently they're fed particularly well around Christmas time with bread and pies baked in the shape of a horse. 
and also are given Christmas dinner leftovers. They have a different diet there than Scooter has. Um, <laughs> the, although I think Scooter would eat all of this. You probably have one horse that would eat all of this, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He smokes cigars and drinks whiskey, too. Yeah, there you go. And the belief is held that if an animal eats well during the first days of the new year, they'll remain well-fed throughout. So there you mm. go. Well, that's better mm. than starving them, I think. So that's a good. Uh, it's a good tradition. Yeah, uh, it's like pork and sauerkraut in the after the new, you know, for New Year's. Right, it's, exactly. If, if you eat pork and sauerkraut, right sauce, something like that. That is um, one thing I don't think Scooter would eat his sauerkraut. <laughs> <laughs> Costa Rica uh, on the day of El Tope, one of the most important events in the local calendar. Over three thousand horsemen and women ride along the streets of San Jose in celebration of livestock and agriculture. The women are draped in flamboyant, bright-colored skirts over their horses, and they're also, of course, they do bullfighting and horse racing events. So that's in Costa Rica. Uh, wow. Now, 3,000, that's a lot. That's a lot at one time in the streets. That's bigger than our horsey parades, that's for sure. Now we're going to go, we're going to go to England, and I think this is actually in Wales. Uh, it's a ritual called Marilud? Marilud? I think is how they say it, which it, it sees a reveler dressed in white cloth, decorated with bells and ribbons and carrying the skull of a horse. It's celebrated in some parts of Wales. As, as this tradition goes, the white horse will visit homes around Christmas time and challenge those who live there to recite the matching rhymes of the Marilude poem. The challenge ultimately ends with the horse being allowed inside and given food and drink. I don't see that one going over well in the United States. <laughs> No, especially not in the South. (laughs) Apparently, now this is where we get dark. A similar tradition takes place in North Yorkshire, where on Christmas Eve, the old, the poor old Hoss, a tall character dressed in black robes with a horse's head on its head, is paraded through town by a troop of huntsmen. The group visits various local shops and businesses and carry out a small performance written in verse in which the horse is shot by the huntsman and then miraculously revived. I kind of get where it goes with the Christmas theme, but still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, um, I'm, I'm, I mean, is there some sort of religious... Origin. I, I think it's probably you know, more pagan. That, <laughs> I don't know. That, well, you know, there's this. There was that mixing of the pagans and, <laughs> and the Romans back in the day. So who knows? I think that okay. uh, the Boston tradition is much nicer than this. <laughs> yeah. Let's decorate a yeah. tree with carrots and give the horses treats. I think that one's a better one. Yeah, yeah. Let's. We'll, we'll go to the Netherlands next year for Christmas. Not. Yorkshire. (laughs) So there you go. There's some traditions from around the world. Hang on for the riveting conversation Helena and I are going to have in the Auditor Post Show. And we're going to be talking about tractors versus versus ATVs and which one is more practical for a farm and why we both went the direction we did. That's the exciting conversation we're going to have in the Post Show. And it's something that everybody who buys a farm goes through. And also, Helena, remind everybody where they can find you. You can find me at stallandstable.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or just check out our website from time to time where we like to post new content. 
And we're going to have the American Horse Council will be with us tomorrow. Uh, hopefully, Jamie will be back on Wednesday. We have Mary Kitzmiller on Thursday, and then really bad ads on Friday. So join us for the rest of the week. We have a full week of programming here for you. We're, I'm starting to feel like Christmas, but we're not on break yet. That comes a little later in the month. Mm. <laughs> and you enjoy your time in Aiken. Thank you very much.